and gentlemen, welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Mark, and with me as always, my good buddy, Frank. Hey, Mark, and hello, listeners in podcast world. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's right. New episodes drop to your ears every Friday, and of course, for your listening pleasure. For any of our new listeners out there, this is the podcast where Frank and I recommend albums for each other and review them. Plus, we have a wide variety of musical discussions, like our Spotlight series, where we dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out the other side. That's right, Mark. Or our Versus series, where we pit two albums, sometimes three, against each other and duke it out for total stereo domination. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and our new Facebook group. We like to drop additional content and hopefully leave you wanting more of Frank's musical goodness and, and my personal random nonsense. If you've got a record you want us to check out, drop us a comment wherever you find us. We stock all of those locations. Uh, while you're at it, subscribe. Give us a review and rating uh, while you're at it. So I say this, Frank, how are you, my man? Hey, Mark. I'm pretty good here, my man. I'm happy and thankful as always for life and to be doing this with you, my old chum. Very nice. It's uh, it's always wonderful to, to check in with you, Frank. I think, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I was thinking we should check in on uh, another old friend of ours, Mr. Tom DeLong of Angels and Airways. Yes, let's uh, check in with him. Uh, but we really all know him as, uh, you know, from his time at Blink-182. I don't know why people refer to him as Tom from Angels and Airways. That seems silly to me. So it turns out <laughs> Tom spent a good chunk of that uh, What's My Age Again cash uh, on a little thing called To the Stars Academy, an institute less devoted to education as it is to finding and exploring the truth about extraterrestrials and flying saucers. In a recent statement to The Guardian, he says, there are many things, quote, written in text thousands of years old, end quote, that can be uh, explained by the presence of alien life. That's where the end quote goes. Don't mind me, folks. <laughs> Pretty wild stuff, though, right? It's crazy. Uh, yeah, he went on to say, like hearing voices in your head, a burning bush that was talking the ancient texts may have called it God, but I'm just saying it's not that simple. Who thinks God's simple? That's wonderful. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he also goes on to suggest that the star of Bethlehem okay. that famously led the three wise men to the birth of Jesus uh, was probably an alien spaceship. Wow. Wow. I mean, listen, the, the beauty about the suggestion is that it's just that a suggestion but yeah, you know, I saw some of that and and his show uh, for his unidentified the inside America's UFOs investigation. Uh, you're right; he spent all that running around naked and all the small things money on his thirst for this stuff. I mean, I'm all for space exploration, but man, uh, I just I wish he'd go back to Blink so we could get Matt Skiba the hell out of Dodge, man. That's what I'm. That's what I'm wanting. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this dude. He would he would later go on to say, uh, "People need to buckle up." open their minds and stop talking, you know, aliens and extraterrestrials, because I have a feeling that that's not exactly what it is, that there's a, a <laughs> excuse me. I know, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. There was this, like, this diatribe about how the CIA and the government uh, have for decades uh, been covering up the information they have, um, and he's dedicating his life to, to gathering it and analyzing it. Um, what do you think, Frank? Is, is he crazy or is an alien god speaking to our old uh, Tommy boyfriend here? I mean, listen, first of all, can we address his, his voice? I mean, like, seriously, like, <laughs> what, what the hell? I mean, I know we're getting older, but man, yeah. he sounds like he ate a frog and then gargled salt water and club soda and then decided to eat some peanut butter, man. Like, I don't know what's going on with his voice. It's, it's crazy. Anywho, listen, I don't know what to make of this man. I mean, to think of life outside our own world is one thing, but to think that it fits your stereotypical green dude with the saucer may mm -hmm. throw him into that loopy category for me personally. Uh, I, I Listen, I, I mean, if Blink was so uninteresting, was it that Blink was so uninteresting that you felt the need to devote yourself to aliens? If so, then hey, man, props for sure. Uh, if you don't have to worry about money and you're able to do whatever sparks your interest, hey, man, that is totally, totally awesome. Uh, I just think these efforts are, are in a comical way. So I find it hard sometimes to take him seriously. That's my opinion. What about you, man? 
Yeah, I, I find your, your response uh, very funny and unexpected. Um, <laughs> yeah, on the program you're listening to tonight, we will tackle Girlfriend Hardcore, uh, but you won't find the band uh, we're covering, Defeater, uh, or excuse me, you won't hear them referring to themselves uh, <laughs> that way. Right. Uh, it's actually how I was introduced to them, uh, and wouldn't you know it, uh, I liked it. Um, so tonight... I thought it might be fun to talk about some of those terrible bands oh boy. Uh, we were forced to listen to by significant exes oh. uh, in an attempt to, uh, to try to get laid. Let's face it, that's why Frank and I were with them. So uh, we're not doing any ex-bashing here. Uh, we're just talking about bands. Yep. They forced us to listen to in the name of a, a healthy relationship. So uh, here we go. We got, uh, ooh, excuse me. Five, five spot a piece, right? Yeah, that's right. Five spot a piece. Frank, why don't you uh, kick us off while I chug some more dollars? Yeah, absolutely, man. So the first one that comes uh, in my list is Maroon 5. I mean, remember that Oasis episode we did where Noel Gallagher said Maroon 5, and I quote, is shite? Listen, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't lying there. man. Even a broken clock's right twice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when, <laughs> when they first came out, I had to be subjected to their crap, and I felt bad for my ears. And listen, man, that, that was early uh, – of part of the band where you can moderately hear the guitar. Like I actually feel bad for the other members of the band who may want to play something resembling what they tried to start off being uh, and use their string instruments, but utter and complete garbage, man. And, and anytime Rune five comes on, I'm automatically taken back to that time frame when I, when they were just drilled into my head. So that's, that's number uh, the first one on my list, Mark is Maroon five. What about, what about you? Yeah. Maroon five was terrible, man. I had right. a thought. I had a boss who was obsessed with Maroon 5. Oh, my God. And Jamiroquai. This dude, yeah, you heard me. This dude could not stop listening to me. It made me insane. Anyways, I, how is that anybody's one and two? Like, I just... Pff, no idea. No idea. Uh, I don't want to... His number three was 311, so I didn't want to hurt oh, your feelings. Okay. I tell you, you're, Grassroots you're the, is a damn good album, man. <laughs> uh, so... So my first choice, or, or the first band on my list here, our top five, that's right, it's going to be Orgy. Oh. Yeah, the band Orgy. I was the, in the 10th grade. The band. Yeah. Uh, it was it was the 10th grade, and industrial was all the rage. All the rage. Uh, I was more into metal, uh, and the two genres kind of backed up to each other. Um, you know, and the fact that there, there was a girl that uh, liked me that was willing to talk to me that listened to it. I was willing to give them a listen. And you know that their hit Blue Monday, um, while it was a cover, yeah. uh, was pretty well done. Uh, but the rest of it was garbage. I, I mean, it's basically goth disco music. Um, and I guess that's <laughs> cool if it's your thing. But my God, is it is it painful to listen to if it's, if it's not your thing? And for me, it was not my thing. Most folks will remember um, that after Blue Monday, they had like one other single. And then they just immediately fell right off. That yep. band was terrible and um I'm, i apologize to myself for for listening to it yeah you know it's funny because when in 99 again right the late 90s when you when you mm-hmm. get corn your m&ms and biscuits and uh you know corn is orgies. yeah you yeah. got orgies orgies is a band that corn is uh, waving waving the flag for and you're like oh blue monday i remember that song and a buddy of mine uh had had the album and I, we were in the car and we listened to it and i was like oh this is not good at all i was like the single is the only thing worth worth writing home about, yep. and and it's a cover. So that tells you everything you need to know. Good call on that one. That band is absolute shit. I don't care what I say. <laughs> Shite. Shite. All right, Mark. So here's a good one for you. Next on my list is a band called Matchbox 20. Oh. Jesus, Mary, Chain, and Joseph, my friend. Listen, I, I mean <laughs> – I mean, what what did I do to the heavens, my man? I had to endure Rob Thomas and Santana. Now, sorry, Santana, but the song "Smooth." I mean, I had to I had to endure that, uh, just and just for so long. But anyway, back to Matchbox Twenty. I mean, I had the absolute displeasure of having crap tunes like "Push," "3 A.M." rammed into my head. Thomas's voice is so irritating. It's like he's forcing himself to sing and accent every possible syllable with force it's probably because their songs just have no balls so he's trying to give them some balls but for real man screw this band up their ass with broken glass matchbox 20 (laughs) wow yeah i I gotta agree with you man matchbox 20 is painful to listen to that doesn't fall under bands i was forced to listen to because of an ex that's a bands i was forced to listen to because of my sisters oh it's another list it's a whole other list yeah um so (laughs) yeah 
second uh, second on my list uh, is going to be the band nineteen uh, excuse me Crazy Town. Uh, oh. which you all remember from nineteen ninety nine. Look, let's face it. This is uh, part of the reason you can't tell Frank he's wrong about nineteen ninety nine being a musical uh, dumpster fire. It, it, That's it's right. this band and the massive fuck off hit they had with their their song Butterfly. Oh, uh, you know the 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 crazy bitch anthem. Oh. right. It was uh, rap rock at its most just putrid. Um, and, and we as a people are, are worse for having heard it. Yeah. Uh, the name of this album, Frank, was The Gift of Game. And Butterfly was a number one hit on the Billboard Top Hot 100. It set music back years. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we as a species are not good enough for this world. And we, should be, we should be cleansed by fire because, like, just fuck this band. All their like, dude. I tried for this. I was like, "There's got to be something, something redeeming on that record." Let me go in and I listened to the entire nope. record. Nope. Just so that, like, so I wouldn't be putting my foot in my mouth. Oh my god, I was gonna cut my ears off. I was gonna, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna box my own ears, Frank. Oh my god, dude. Uh, listen, uh, first of all, folks, our 1999 episode is in the archives. Check it out. That's actually a really fun time. Uh, yep. And Crazy Town, do not check out because they're absolutely horrible. They were bad then. If they are around now, for God's sakes, they're even probably worse. Uh, Mark's right. He hit every nail on the head for that one. Crazy Town sucks. So, All right. My next that I had an ex make me listen to constantly was Jack Johnson. Listen, cool. yeah, he's buddies with Mason Jennings. And I think Mason Jennings is super talented. I love his records. Um, mm-hmm. But Jack, I mean, it's like putting a baby powder on a lily, whatever, whatever that means. I have no idea. Right. But that's what that's what I'm saying. It's so soft and constantly beachy. Like every tune needs to mm-hmm. have the same freaking vibe. You should have just dedicated your musical career to making white noise music for kids and adults so they fall asleep to. I mean, this is yawning to every possible degree, man. Mason Jennings is awesome. Jack Johnson, sorry, man. I can't I can't listen to your music. So that's mine. Yeah, I, you know, to be honest with you, all I can think of is that like the name Jack Johnson. This needs to be a dude in the vein of Weird Al, just doing songs about masturbating. Thank you. Like, how is your name Jack Johnson and not every song is about jacking your Johnson? I don't right. I just don't get it. That should be the um, first album. The first album should be jacking your Johnson. It should be yanking it. Yanking your Johnson. Right, and it's just a With Weird Al tribute. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, uh, so for me, uh, number three, and this is, I'll probably catch a lot of shit from this from uh, from the rock and roll heads out there, but fuck them. Probably. Uh, Audio Slave. Oh, you're catching shit, my friend. <laughs> uh, Frank, you know I love a good supergroup, and honestly, this has a it had a lot of potential for me. I look, uh, everyone knows I'm a Rage Against the Machine fan. Yeah. Um, but Zach Delarocha and I, you know, it, he he was a great part of the band, but there was so much more to it, and I really thought this was an opportunity for them to go much further. Um, yeah. And, and boy, did they just not. Um, you know, I'll still argue that as far as the rhythm section goes, Rage Against the Machine and even Audio Slave, because it's the exact same rhythm section, totally. is one of the best in rock and roll history. They're, they're super tight. Uh, yes. And uh, sorry, that? Dr. That, was, Dr. that was super tight, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No more soda pop for recording time. I apologize. Um, you know, but man, I just, Chris Cornell is so boring and generic. Um, you know, he brings this like faux Eddie Vedder, overproduced, boring, you know, he's got these like these three formats for songs. It's either I am, I was, or I will be, um, lyrical approaches to singing. And like, it's just not good. None none of, none of the, the potential that this band had, right. That, that rage against the machine brings to the table for somebody to be, to be able to push over the edge and right. make it really interesting. And I think if you listen to the Prophets of Rage stuff, prove that if you put somebody else in there that's willing yeah. to be aggressive and willing to challenge the band, it works. Audio Slave didn't work. This is like radio, or uh, not radio, record label controlled hot garbage by pushing somebody like Chris Cornell into this band. I don't think Chris is a good songwriter. He's an okay singer. Like I said, he just sounds like a, a fake uh, Eddie Vedder to me. Uh, and he really he really turns that up in this band. He sounded better in Soundgarden. Why he chose to sound shittier in this is beyond me. Um, and his songs are dumb as shit. I they they just are. His his lyrics are dumb as garbage. And um, I, I can't 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 stand Audio Slave. 
Well, just so you know, folks, when we do the spotlight on Chris Cornell episode, Mark will be writing the, uh, whole, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of sweet. That, that episode's getting blocked on YouTube. Yeah. Now, listen, though, Mark, Mark, Mark's right on this. It, it wasn't a good pairing, and I, and I totally agree. You, you have this rhythm section that is super, super aggressive. It has to be matched, and Cornell slowed it down. It, it really took the tempo back uh, mm-hmm. way, and it made it like a – like uh, what Cornell would, would end up doing. Uh, I never thought it was a good pairing. I found it to be extremely boring. I do like Rage Against the Machine. I do like early Soundgarden stuff. But, yeah, I, I didn't think that was a good pairing. And, and that's a, you know, I got Mark's back if, if he gets shit on that. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right. Uh, my next is uh, Brian Adams. Yeah. Oh. Everything I do, I do it for you. Yes, that Brian oh. Adams. I mean, listen. Thanks, Craig. You're welcome, Mark, because it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. <laughs> um, listen, Summer 69, even run to you. Those are good, but my God, he lost his balls along the way, man. I mean, listen, the the that the Robin Hood tune is absolutely putrid. And Oh, my God. You got, please forgive me. Have you ever really loved a woman and all for love? I mean, listen, I, I can't take him. And the fact that he's linked to anything remotely close to the term rock and roll is absolute lunacy. So Ryan Adams... Uh, not Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams is another story who I don't listen to anymore because he's nuts. But Brian Adams, yeah, absolutely. There you go. So I'm with you on this one, dude. I this dude was is Kenny G without the flute. Thank Fuck you. Him. We don't need him. Thank you. Ugh. So um, I think people probably knew this was going to happen if you've been listening long enough. Uh, next up on my list is none other than that piece of shit from New Jersey, Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can make as much fun of that clown as I want to because it's my podcast. Uh, you know, look, these over-the-top uh, hair power ballads, um, they're just so tired and lame. And, and he couldn't even write them himself. The new stuff is just oh, it's so bad. exactly the same and somebody else write it. Any nostalgia for, for this band uh, is because you were too busy trying to get laid or too drunk for your own good to, to understand that this music was just absolute garbage right or you're like attached to the videos or something like that you know exactly you know and and there's i'm not gonna uh take richie sambora's side in anything um but there's an argument musically that the band um had talent and that individually they're great musicians uh that joe himself doesn't have a bad voice i'm not criticizing his ability to sing it's what he chose to sing um that was shit continue to be shit and then the worst part is he couldn't even write it himself oh that's Um, so bad and and just to wrap this up pieces i know there are some older women out there who are going to tell me what a piece of shit i am but if your opinion of this band is that they're good and it's because bon jovi is hot your opinion about music is completely invalid not just not just bon jovi all music if you're willing to say this dude is hot and therefore his music is good all of your opinions about music are now disqualified and you can go suck a dick there you go. There you go. That sounded really misogynistic. So, to anybody, no matter your gender, if that's how you feel, please see my statement about sucking a dick. <laughs> listen, and I remember when Mark was forced to listen to Bon Jovi nonstop. I mean, I, yep. I was there, and it was every day. It was an all-day occurrence. It was mm-hmm. constant Bon Jovi. Uh, Mark's got legit, legit heat, and and I don't blame, <laughs> I don't blame him. So there you go, man. There you go. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. All righty. So uh, my last on the list is mm-hmm. Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. Oof. We chatted about him before in one of our very first episodes uh, found in the archives. But, man, listen, if there was ever a string of people that uh, – I, I mean, there was like a string of people, excuse me, that I'd go on date with, dates with, and they seemed like all they wanted to do musically was talk about Dave Matthews Band. Like I, I didn't get him. I don't get him now. The constant soft jazz, the feet shuffling, the same sounds coming from the guitar, and no offense to our green buddy, uh, his Kermit the Frog type singing. I, I just I – just, listen, I can't take Dave Matthews at all, and I never have, never will. So, yeah, I had a string of like dates I'd go on, and, and they would just – want to listen to dave matthews and you know fun times for me so there you oh go. man i can't believe your uh your personal friends are kermit the frog that's pretty awesome i know it is pretty cool <laughs> all right so last on the list for me um uh, is a band i i have always hated but the this things is where I it gets did, interesting the things i did uh in the name of getting laid is, is pretty sad and pathetic and this is amongst the worst uh and that's listening to the band lincoln park oh yeah, all, all the hate mail. Real. Here comes the yeah. hate mail right now. Yeah, for real. Uh, that's why we don't have an email address yet, folks. Um, 
my hatred for this band literally knows no bounds. It's, it's no secret that I, I loathe rap metal. Um, and if you're like, what's he talking about? They were like so deep and their songs were like so personal and like Chester, oh my God, Chester. You're forgetting that the cover of that debut album, Hybrid Theory, had a, an imaginary uh, graffiti military flag bearer with fairy wings. So what? Yeah, because because we're just pulling all of this out of our ass. This record and this band are the perfect example of how being edgy was the greatest thing in uh, the year 2000 and mashing it with just as many shitty ideas. I mean, genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mashing with as many genres as you can together to try to polish a turd was just... It's still a turd. It's still a turd. Yeah. This is what mainstream record labels' uh, idea of how to keep you eating out of their mediocre garbage can. If you read through the band's history and see all the influences and suggestions they took uh, to get to a major label and what they did once they were there, it's easy to say this band was put together by a record label, told what to do, told what their name was, told how they were going to sing. It was pre-packaged garbage. Uh, None of it should be addressed. They took their time to write the most cliche, generic songs uh, possible. And look, I I get that some people are going to connect with them, and that's fine if you want to connect with them. But we're talking about like five albums of the same regurgitated shit over and over and over. Mash it with a new genre, have a new guy come in and do a different verse, and then resell it to people. This is Lemmings music for Lemmings. It sucked. This band sucked. That girl that I dated sucks. I promise that's all the girlfriend bashing I'll do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So listen, much like Mark and my private conversations with people, I get a lot of shit for not liking Mm -hmm. Park or thinking that they were this this just transcendent band or how how I don't get how deep they were. Listen, Mark nailed it on the head again, where they took one facet, they took one concept, they literally took one concept and they spread it over 75% of their songs it was about the mm-hmm. same exact thing and i'm sorry fine you want to say chester had a good voice had you ever, have you ever listened to the other guy uh, perform live absolute garbage absolute garbage mm-hmm. i've never gotten people's fanatical uh just their fanatical sense with the band uh they get super protective with the band uh so here's our hate mail it's coming but it could come to both of us because we're, we're both in the same boat with that i agree with you on lincoln park all the way man Thanks, buddy. Well, uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, we never need to talk about any of these bands ever again. No, please. Uh, and it's time for the main event. Yes, Mark. So, so tell them you, you you gave me a really cool album, and uh, let's hey. get let's get some history on it. Let's talk about it. There you go. Yeah. So tonight it's uh, d- the band Defeater, uh, their 2011 album, Empty Days and Sleepless Nights. A, a brief history, if you will, on the band uh, before we d- dive in. Defeater is a is an American melodic hardcore band from the great state of Massachusetts formed in the year 2004 within the Boston hardcore scene. To date, they released five full-length albums, two EPs, and three singles. The band's lineup consists of Derek, I'm going to say your last name wrong, Archibald, Jack Woodruff, Joe Longbordo, Bardi, Sorry, dude. That's the drummer. He's a total badass. Uh, Mike. Yeah, he's awesome. Awesome. Poulin on bass. Um, all of the band's work has been uh, released via Bridge Nine Records, uh, aside from the album Travels, uh, which was initially re- released on Top Shelf Records. Uh, lyrically, Defeater is a concept band. Yeah. Not just a concept album we're talking about. Concept band. All of their music serves as narration over one overarching story telling the struggles of a working-class family in New Jersey uh, post-World War II. Vocalist Derek Archibald, I think I did figure out how to say his name. I think so, yeah. The statement in 2009 interview that all of Defeater's work would take place within this story. Frank, yeah. tell, me about, tell me about your first impression. Okay, so first initial thoughts of Defeater, and can I just say that I kept having the urge to say one, two, three, Defeater. Sorry, <laughs> All right, you know, I'm, I'm trying to squeak some Fugazi. That's a, that's a, a joke referencing re- repeater. repeater, right? From Please Fugazi. <laughs> visit our back catalog and listen to our two-part extended 
Fugazi spotlight. Absolutely yes. fantastic. Frank and I both had to go into therapy afterwards. Continue. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. So any chance I could squeak Fugazi in there. But anyway, listen, um, I – so the most recent like hardcore style episode we did was turnstile, right? That would mm-hmm. say that was probably the most recent one we did pertaining to hardcore. So I initially had that style in mind, but as mm-hmm. we play the genre game, it's not hardcore like you said. It was it's melodic hardcore. So first of all, I was impressed with the constant screaming and the shredding of the vocals by singer Derek Archibald. Um, like how on earth can you do that? Like song after song and, and then yeah. produce it live. I mean, that that's not easy for sure. So that's one of the first things that caught me. Um, I sensed obviously that there was a concept uh, right, right from the beginning before, I, before I even know it. Um, and I don't know if that was the leftover state of mind we had from the previous episode where even though that wasn't a, an intentional concept album, maybe that's just mm-hmm. what, headspace was um i really liked the breakdown of the empty days with the insanely chaotic sound and then the sleepless mm-hmm. nights as the toned down acoustic track so on paper and we're going to obviously dig into the songs but on paper with all that said uh it's very well thought out and i was initially very impressed so very cool so i remember uh seeing this album for the first time and thinking it had something to do with brand news, the devil and God are raging inside me because of the old yeah. white house. Did, did you pick that up at all? Yeah. So it's funny because I saw the cover. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, I know this cover. And right. right away, when I look at that brand new album, what, what uh, always gets me is the two figures with the, with the, uh, the masks. Yeah. The masks mm-hmm. on. But then when you said that, I was like, holy cow. And I looked and I was like, I, I do see some similarities here and they're both being Northeast bands. Right. So, right. <laughs> yeah, that was just what, like, and there's as, as far as I can tell, we did. I, Frank and I each did a little research on on the album and the band. Yeah. There's no connection between the two. It, no. it, it may just be coincidence, but it was kind of cool because in my brain, it kind of set up that mood of how oh my God, how yeah. heavy that record is, mm-hmm. and prepared me for this. Yeah, totally. So, do you want to you want to kick us off with uh, the first track? Yeah, so the first track, "Warm Blood Rush." I mean, listen, the blood was rushing to my head. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> from the opening, "Dear God, what have you done?" This song paints that bleak, uh, wartime picturesque of like what really the occurrences of what went on during these times, from questioning what just occurred to not being remorseful to then leading as to how can something good exist when um when what was created and 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 the, you know you have the loved one here and all these experiences listen i get it it's a powerful song to open things up i love the i ain't no forgiver forgetter man that just that just sticks in your head like it leaves you no choice whatsoever you're gonna walk out of that song saying i ain't no forgiver forgetter so um powerful song man in the beginning what, what about you mark yeah I, lo- I love this opening you just get this big dear god obviously i'm, I'm kind of down screaming for that uh, but it's a really cool opening statement and, you know, followed these, these kind of chunky riffy guitars, these absolutely crushing drums. I can't suck this oh stick enough on how fucking awesome of a drummer he is. The story starts to unfold immediately first with the mother, then the father, then the brother who killed the father. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alerts, by the way. Um, then trying it, uh, excuse me, tying it all together with his childhood memory of playing a chicken with trains yeah. and with his brother. Really interesting depiction of a family unit and an interesting way uh, to set up the family uh, as the focus of the album right off the bat. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, So track two is called Dear Father. Uh, So we get uh, chapter one uh, of the story, story really. I feel like uh, the first track was kind of like the the prologue, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, And we get some background on the father and, and the question... Uh, many sons struggle with what are you going to do right this time in reference uh, to avenging his father's death uh, musically uh, starts with the the song uh, excuse me with some uh, single notes strummed uh, I think it's on an acoustic guitar but it could be an electric guitar Frank do you have a a, uh, a verdict on that it's it just it's just guitar notes strummed you can ex- yeah I thought it, for- I thought it was the electric but I could be okay. wrong on that yeah um you know, followed uh, with these drums and they, they just build into the lyrics screaming. I, I love this particular line. Um, the war-torn stories that he told you, you got a hell of a lot to live up to. An airborne man with, with a scar and a wound never make a promise that you couldn't prove. Ooh. Ooh. Had, I mean, these are, 
these are heavy lyrics. The content of this record um, is fucking heavy. Yeah, it's it's heavy for sure, man. And listen, I like the the melodic uh, guitar opening and what's then uh, being played during the verses. I mean, this song, it, it, I know chaos is going on, and that's what it sounds like. Like, it sounds mm-hmm. like there's chaos, and that would be the best thing I could uh, describe it based on, again, the lyrical content of the song. I mean, the life being presented here is showcased, so I think the music the music and what's going on is fitting so perfectly. And I see similarities too with this track and the opening number and the fact that there's these reference points, there's these reference points. So the first one, we had the forgiver, forgetter. And now in this song, it's the dear father, dear father, almost again to highlight what's going on, which helps the listener follow along with the story. And and it's to me, what's interesting is that these could easily, I think be transposed to, to folk tunes where you have this theme that's currently just circulating here. Uh, And I really sense that too, which to me, creates a whole new depth for these songs but um yeah another another really cool tune um and then we move on to the the next track which is uh waves crash clouds roll uh, i think the song is it's a perfect length i would i would say that by track three of this style i'm thinking okay first two coming out of the gate have a really big velocity which is awesome but let's see what else we we got up our sleeves and uh good news it's coming actually in the next track too which i can't wait to talk about because i think that's a really cool point but uh this continues the story which is obviously and uh, one comment i have to make with these concept mm-hmm. albums it's it's interesting how how people approach them here because we have no names here right we just have we have these characters we have no names i think sometimes to hold steady early bruce dylan uh they add that so i i don't know if i have a preference but i just wanted to point mm-hmm. it out where you have the concepts and the songs and the albums where they have names and those stories are being told and then you have um what this band is doing too where, where there's where there's names now i'm not sure how that would work out with this heavier style of music it's just an observation um mm-hmm. again so we have uh these almost chanting the lines that are being like bashed into your head in a good way for the purpose of the story uh her cheating her weak will the addiction the needle uh, i like how then that picks up in tempo i mean as you just said mark i mean this is heavy shit we're talking about you know yeah yeah uh this song uh takes place uh in the mind of our narrator uh, kind of sitting on the docks of the shipyard uh, where he works, thinking about revenge and getting his brother back for killing his father. But it quickly transitions into his mother's addiction yeah. and, and possibly her death at the hands of her her heroin addiction. Uh, musically, we get uh, more of those big uh, blasting guitars and, and crunching drums pretty uh, consistently, but also there's, there's a really cool drum break and uh, this cool palm muted guitar part that yes. layers in the, the depth with the internal monologue so that you really feel the, the narrator's helplessness. It's a really cool job telling a story um, and trying to set it to music can be very tricky, especially, you know, in a world where people are used to chorus, verse, chorus, or verse, yes. chorus, verse, chorus. Um, so to break it up and to do things a little bit differently but still maintain the story and the intensity is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, track number four is called Empty Glass. Um, I'm going to start talking about the story. Story-wise, we're introduced to a new character, his his to-be wife. Musically, the guitar starts with a slow, kind of single note picking up with the drums as they come in, uh, just really tight behind them. Uh, and for me, they really steal the song in this one, the drums in this. Yeah. The guitar is really subtle. It's, it's used kind of in the background, and the drums really steal the show. Um, they, they, they kind of push the song uh, along uh, the way drums tend to push rhythm and, and, and tempo, but they do it with the lyrics here. Um, you know, we start to hear about the years as they're passing at, at the Copper Coin, which I'm sure Frank's going to talk about a little bit more. Yes. Um, you know, like a machine driving uh, both time and, and the literal uh, figures in the story, the, the drums just push and push and push and push. It's really um, kind of, kind of dizzying but like in a, in a really cool way yeah. um you know it's aggressive with his his strained voice um we get a little bit of a break from from such heavy guitars and they just they really fill in the soundscape um adding a little bit more of that an- anxiety feeling that you're feeling from the narrator um and the band kind of really brings it back in and i love the closing line here um because there ain't nothing like your smile, your legs, and those eyes. And I will beg and steal and borrow to keep you safe for your whole life. Just really cool line. 
Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah and I'm clearly not a singer, so my apologies for how I stumbled through it. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good, um, but it's a good thing. Uh, I, I like what you said where you picked up mm-hmm. on that anxious feeling too, because there's definitely a sense of anxiety that that's involved in all this. Um, this song's my favorite thus far. I love the tempo of the drums and how it fits with the odd timing of the guitar again. So another night at the copper coin, I would be so interested to hear like a finger picked folk alternate version of this because I really, mm-hmm. again, think these songs work so well that way, but back to the music. So at the minute and 29 mark, we get this clean, but blaring chord ringing at the <coughs> time of mm-hmm. saying your guts sinks in each time you see her i mean i love that i can't describe it musically i try to mess around with that when writing whatever that is i absolutely love it and i love how we get the same lyrics but over different music i think that's really clever like i think that's entirely clever and things that aren't done a lot uh again it paints a picture of this destroyed and broken post-war soul at the bar drinking their sorrows and see what i could you know, make out of and, and see how, you know, they make out to see what is going to be a, their future spouse. Uh, mm-hmm. She's obviously upset with the person he's become, but he still vows to protect her. And the picture I have in my head while thinking mm-hmm. of the song was from the movie, The Deer Hunter. Now I know The Deer Hunter, uh, the backdrop of The Deer Hunter is the Vietnam War and this is World War II. But for right. some reason, that just that just came into my head. But man, what a good song. What a good yeah. song that is. Well, I think, I think you nailed a little bit of, of what I was talking about. When they repeat the lyrics, but the yeah. music changes, really sets the idea that the narrator is so neurotic that these things are just continuing in his head. And as the music changed, even though the words are changing, his emotion about them is, yes. is evolving. And you feel that as the listener. Yeah, and that's well thought out. I mean, that's attention to detail there musically um, to do that. Again, people people are going to take the lazy way out. They're going to just take the same words that they had and repeat it on the same melody and the same chords. No, no, these guys are totally, totally changing some things up here, which is which is really cool. Um, track five, we get No Kind of Home. So like, I love the intro here uh, and the tempo. I love how we get those chunky, almost metal-type parts. Uh, heavy content here again with the main character realizing that his home is not a good place anymore. Now his mother is turned uh, or you know the junkie of the junkie aspect of his mother's taken toll uh, and taken form. Uh, I mean, it's the domino effect here where one thing happens the next and so forth and so forth. Uh, the song is intense as hell, and I'm just trying to see it in my mind's eye and how everything basically is falling apart for this main character and his world. And you definitely sense it here with with this song. No kind of no kind of home. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I, I love. Uh, I think you did a great job describing the music. This kind of this this bridge between where where hardcore and metal and 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 some emo really come together yeah totally. Um, it's a really cool uh sound um you know that only let up enough to to push you further and further into the the heaviness and the intensity of it um it's a pretty interesting to hear uh from the new wife so soon on on how quickly that promise from the the end of the song is already falling apart totally um and you really you really feel just this the the sadness and darkness of this guy's life setting in on everyone he touches even though again spoiler this is the only new person you meet <laughs> there you go. um or anyone who has anything uh to contribute within the song itself uh the next song is called white knuckles yes and uh, that this is where this the, the story gets kind of totally fucking nuts um the, the dead father still apparently had some uh, serious debts uh, with a bookie uh, to the point where all these years later, this, this now married man um, runs into him uh, at a bar and the bookie decides to collect. And since our narrator won't pay uh, and takes a swing at the bookie, uh, the bookie's goons jump him, kick the shit out of him, and then the bookie rapes and uh, murders his wife. Uh, musically, this is a, a cool. I got this. Sounds like it'd be a ton of fun to get into a mosh pit too, and just kind of, kind of get loose with the kids, as they say. Um, I don't think anybody <laughs> actually says that. Um, uh, as it almost, it, it almost never lets up. This thing just, just beats you constantly, musically, uh, over the head. Um, you know, uh, again, drummer Joe Long Longo Bardi. Dude, I'm so sorry about your fucking name. Um, that I can't He's say. He's Italian, so I tell you. Yeah, it's it, it's a beautiful name. I'm terrible at pronouncing it. You're a phenomenal drummer. Has really been showing really his is. chops, and this is a great uh, song 
uh, to, to show as an example of how heavy you can play consistently while still doing a ton of cool fills and just showing off and being an awesome drummer. So brief yeah. break to just tell you how great Joe, I'm sorry I can't say your last name is, um, but, but really awesome stuff and, and a cool song. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. And by the way, growing up Italian, I, I did know a lot of longos, believe it or not, mm -hmm. and and Lombardies, but I never knew uh, Longobardies. So there you go. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, so this, uh, it reminds me of a story I, I told you, Mark, where my grandfather had some uh, Shylocks and uh, that when he died, they came and they beat up his brother. So yeah. that, that, that for some reason reminded me of this. I mean, listen, it's a typical northeastern stuff that was going on at the time but the band totally captured it right and a track yep. like this it's nice it's short it's punchy and it's one i had to listen to a few times to be like okay wait a minute what just happened because a lot happens and it happens so fast yes. too and yeah and like you said this is where the story gets really really jacked up uh, among all proportions so uh, another fantastic tune and of course the drumming i mean what can you say right the dude's awesome yeah. So cemetery walls. Uh, another quick story here as a kid, I'd go uh, with my father to the cemetery where my grandfather mm -hmm. was and we would go to each room and read the names. And I used to be like, oh, geez, man, all these Italians really kicked the bucket, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, um, you know, it, it was, uh, uh, you know, there's there's intent behind it. But anyway, in this song, there's there's some uh, repetitive nature to it. But again, I, I think that's intentional now because I think what the band is trying to do is we're, we're trying to split some time here between the focus of the actual story and the focus of the actual song um, and right. just what it is. So I think there's intent behind it. Uh, it doesn't stand out to me as most as the others that we heard thus far, but the important thing is this moves the story along. And Mark, you'll bring us up to speed on what's moving us along, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this is, I, I, I agree with Frank, uh, musically, this is one of the lowlights for me. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward uh, tune. Um, and lyrically, there's, there's some cool stuff, but it doesn't add a, a ton to the story if you're, if you're trying to follow along. It, it, it can be a little bit confusing because he almost, um, it, it almost sounds like, because there's three people buried, it, it's hard to tell if it's right. his mother or his wife. So it's a little bit tricky. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, we're, we're, we're adding that note, right? This is really after, uh, for, so for what it is, is it's, it's the wife's grave um, that he's visiting after the death from the, the bookie who's raped and murdered her. Um, right. So he's, he's visiting his wife's grave. Um, so it, it's really just a plot point to move on. And I think we've probably said enough about it at this point. Yeah. Um, track number eight is uh, quite the longing. Quiet, excuse me, quiet the longing. Um, the story here really takes uh, an introspective view, right? We're back in his head of just his self, self-loathing. My God, I can't speak tonight. Um, well, really, while watching his mother continue to deteriorate, yeah. musically, the listener uh, really start to heal and hear and feel the weight of this of this man's life just really pressing him. Um, you know. The, the trauma that's come with everything that's gone on and the, the, the music kind of drones on for a little bit, right? Really adding to that, the listener's sense of anxiety. Um, and it, it makes it really interesting to sit through and listen to it because uh, you feel like the events are almost happening in real time. Like you, you're, you're there really suffering through this with him. It, it, yeah. Really interesting song. Yeah, and I like the beginning with the faster tempo here. And mm -hmm. as I said, it's crazy sometimes with these concept songs because for me, you know, in a typical song, uh, there's the balance between the enjoyment of the lyrics and then the music. And I find with these songs is that I'm almost more um, intrigued as to what's going on with the story, which is, which is, I guess, that's part of it, right? That's part of the whole concept. From what I'm gathering, of course, our, our narrator is not only dealing with the loss of his father and his love, but now has to deal with the remnants of what is left of his mother uh, imagery galore here with the rosary and it being on the bedpost and praying listen being born in the northeast and in a traditional catholic household i saw this a shit ton with family members especially yeah. when they lost their spouses um not to the war per se but, but just in general so that was something i was instantly able that image instantly able to connect to because i several people i knew my family would have that rosary up on the bedpost so um you know again another another uh Another powerful tune and, and at peace. Here we go. Um, track nine. I, I like the slow strum the beginning. It sets the mood for what's to come. And man, if you're wondering how, how could this get any worse, 
Uh, here we go. Yo, the narrator is trying to locate his mom as she's not fit to be alone. As as it says, uh, the song paints such a, a desolate and dark picture from from the bitter old man, head down, cigarette in hand, and then the discovery of his mother in the last pew in the church with the needle in her arm. I mean, at peace with her husband now. Uh, you know, our narrator is left, but no left with no one but his gun. I mean, that's crazy, man. And mm-hmm. I, I kept saying it, but the music does just again another fantastic job of matching what's going on in the intensity of the story here the same way almost like a score would match the up and downs of, of a story arc so yeah well, well thought out i'm going to say it a lot well thought out intentional intelligent all those good things mark yeah and it, it's really interesting to see uh you know a band that is quote-unquote melodic hardcore be able to provide that kind of roller coaster musically for such a heavy story now totally. uh, i think if you're not into hardcore or metal or or you know, heavier rock genres, it may be a little tricky to catch some of the nuances of the music in it. Um, and and that, that was one of the things I was worried about with you, Frank, was that maybe this would be a little too heavy, sure. too, consistent, too consistently. But I dug that you really kind of allowed yourself to get in here. Uh, you know, you nailed it. The imagery really throughout this whole piece has just been clear of just building and building and waiting for that tragedy after tragedy to come. And his mother's passing sets the stage for his brother's return, um, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's it's necessary to the, the character's arc uh, for him to finally get some peace and for her to get some peace. Yeah, totally. Uh, which really kind of segues quite, quite beautifully into track 10, uh, White Oak Doors. As for our narrator, uh, it's his turn for peace now, um, you know, but he's going to need to face his brother uh, as much as he's going to need to face himself. Um, I'll leave it, I'll leave the ending for Frank, but where I think people would expect me to say it's too long, uh, and it is long, uh, this, this particular track, but the time is used so well to build and build and, and really bring this sense of anticipation to really keep the listener glued. You are anxiously waiting the outcome of this story. I think it's just really beautifully done. Yeah, and and to add to Mark's, um, you know, when when Mark does critique the longness of songs, this is again a different element. So I think we have to push all those other things aside and now focus that this is a concept album and this is a story arc. So the lengths are going to be different for our for our certain preferences. And this is really a cinematic ending if you think about it. I mean, the build up, the anticipation, the intensity, the stress. There's not much to say about the music because it's really about the story where the older brother is now greeted by the younger who killed their father. I mean, they, they go to the tracks and there's a struggle and the younger brother now has the upper hand. The train is coming and our main character is almost wanting this to occur so he could be with his wife. And then it stops suddenly uh, while the word family is being said and we are left to ponder how the empty days portion of this record ends. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the drums do a great job matching the story and it's the little things like that that really show the quality of a well-structured tune here. So, whew, man, I mean, exhausted, but we still mm-hmm. have some more to come, right? So now we get into this uh, But Breathing, the 11th track, which is the Sleepless Nights portion of the record, which, man, is really smart to divide things up. Adding these acoustic songs not only showcases the band's ability to transition from this chaotic type of music and style, but these tuned down, toned down tunes, which I believe is probably one of the reasons, Mark, you also, too, you probably wanted me to hear this for that yeah. contrast. Uh, from my research, uh, this is the, the song Bless, Birding, Bless Burden, excuse me, from their mm. first album, but from a different point of view. Uh, this displays Derek's vocals here because there's way much more to them than just screaming all the time. Yeah, dude uh, can sing. Dude could legit sing, absolutely. The mood all of a sudden changes from anger and rage to vulnerability and a depth perspective. Uh, perspective. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this tune, and uh, I thought it was a great tune. What about you, Mark? You know, to, to try to balance um, a record like this uh, yeah. must have taken some serious consideration. To me, these four tracks could have been laid um, in breaking up uh, the the first half of the album um, or the first part of the album and, and just used to, to break up some of that heaviness and that intensity. Oh. Um, but I think they did a really cool job of putting them at the end of the record um, so that the first half is about his anger, is about his sense of dread and his yes. sense of... Um, his fears and his, his anxieties. And then we get these almost ethereal afterglow thoughts of, 
you know, his, what is going through his mind as family is suddenly cut short. Are these, are these songs, uh, you know, the flashes of his life he sees before he dies. Right. Um, so really interesting way to, to just, you know, balance this record is to, instead of dropping four acoustic tracks in the rest, in the album, to save them for the end and do something like this. I thought it was a really smart choice. Very smart. You know, lyrically here, he's still creating uh, a vivid world, but he's free of some of the difficulties of trying to sing hardcore music. You know, like there's, there's that certain rhythm that hardcore has, which lyrically you can only sing so much to because the music's going so fast. So he really does a great job of showing off his ability to sing um, in a much softer way. And, and it's just really amazingly done. The songs, uh, you know, I think you described it as, as well as it could be described. Yeah. Um, you know, track 12 here, the second track on this, this part um, is called Brothers. Uh, this is a, a wonderful example of, of that, of, of our narrator being able to reflect on his memories of life with his brother and not against his brother. Perhaps the, the love he had for his brother more clearly um, was difficult to face in life. But now that he's, he's dead and he's looking at it, he's able to see some of that emotion um, other than anger. It reminds me of being a kid and, and my brother and I would walk to an arcade. Um, and it was just this kind of honest moment of, of being with your brother and, and feeling you know, that kind of camaraderie and that kind of like sense of adventure. And yeah. he did a really good job of matching, you know, kind of like that uh, two kindred souls moving through life thing, you know, uh, tying it back to the days of, of dodging trains on the tracks uh, and how it scared the narrator, but he was clearly loved his brother for doing it with him. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. And, and again, this is just me perceiving how I think the band wanted it to happen. I think he's able to, to, to see that he loves his brother in the moment of his death. That's my theory. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think what he's also trying to do is, is humanize the brother too a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And, and like you said, kind of how you described it with you and your brother, doing these certain things and uh, almost the simplicity of, of the basic nuances of, of a brother's relationship. So obviously it's about the brothers, right? And the story describing the older brother's view from what he would do with his younger brother. Uh, the imagery of the times with the convenience store and buying the pop. That's that's a really important piece because they they execute mm-hmm. it and they they bring you back to the time. I mean, they could easily not put something like that in, but they totally did that again with intent. Musically, I like the bear chord uh, strumming here, and then the piano comes in to accent the emotions in the song and part of the story. Um, the close companionship of the brothers again really examined here, and regardless of the similarities or the differences, it's all they had, and they're one of the few people who could relate to what went what was going on and what they went through a uh, nice arrangement. And again, a great overall tune. Then we go into 13. I don't mind. Um, this is a companion piece, empty glass. Uh, it almost has, uh, the, has the most folky elements musically to me, uh, probably due to the strumming pattern. And, and from what I could hear uh, again, this to me would work equally as well. Finger pick too. Um, our main character is talking about how he met his wife and I'm assuming the copper coin is part of the environment here, which is cool. Uh, it's cool. How you could take the same story and then uh, piece it out from different views and verbally illustrate it differently. Um, I, I wouldn't put twangy or country label on this as I think it's naturally harder for maybe people in the Northeast kind of to bring that, but a little of that vibe did come to mind here, but uh, I think this is a really special, special tune. So Mark, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. There's something special about this song for me that, that you can really tell, um, excuse me, you can't really tell when the narrator would have sung it to his wife. Uh, yeah, good was it when they, when they got together at the bar? Was it at her grave? Um, I love the line, did I remember to tell you how pretty you looked in that dress, right? Which could suggest that he's at her graveside. It's a simple line, but it, it suggests that reminiscent uh, alone feeling. Um, all the things he could have done differently or should have, you know, it's kind of a simple enough ballad, uh, melancholy, but sweet. Uh, I get why people aren't reading into this band or, 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 or people who aren't reading into this band would say, Oh yeah, that's girlfriend hardcore. There's just some song about his, uh, uh, trying to, trying to pick up chicks. Like, no, this, this is part of a concept album. And it's a really lovely song that would have worked as a, a ballad. Yeah. 
in either place, right? It could have worked in the Copper Corner. It could have worked at Headstone. And I'm going to guess it probably wasn't Headstone because our next track is called Headstone. There you go. <laughs> yeah, sure. track, there you go. Track number 14. That's what we in the business call a segue. Um, <laughs> fortunately, there isn't much question about when this song um, would have been sung by our narrator. Uh, really delving into the idea of truly being alone and stopping at her grave uh, to lament. Uh, it's an interesting way to end the album uh, with these tracks feeling as uh, chronological as the first half of the album feels chronological. Um, you know, it, you understand uh, why they did it. I think I would have liked to see uh, I Don't Mind as the final track. I can see um, that. I can see as, a, that. as opposed to this one, because I think it just ends on a sweeter note. But I think in the 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 earnest and the the honesty of what they're trying to do with this kind of record and this kind of storytelling, I think you do have to put Headstone last. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just a, a really interesting insight into the mind of the narrator all the way through the end. Yeah, totally. I, I love the dark and moody guitar here at the beginning and what he's doing in the verses. It's not just chords, and it adds a nice dynamic to the song. Story-wise, similar to Cemetery Walls, but again, I think from a different emotion set, I really like the, and I will never forgive myself for not being there to protect you. I should have been at home instead of trying to forget you. Again, it gives you a great, unique look at our main character uh, sitting and uh, talking for hours. And, you know, again, Again, I've seen family members do this as far as the old timers go. They would do this uh, just beyond uh, for upon days, similar, similar things. A great way to end this portion of the record and uh, the album. So, I mean, I, I think it, it fits really well. Yeah. So we're at the final thoughts segment. Final um, thoughts. So in the, in the name of transparency, um, I knew this was a concept album, but what I wasn't aware of um, that all of the albums were tied together. Um, in that the band is one consistent theme with, with the family. Um, so I, I didn't really pick that up until I did the deep dive into the album and it, it really opened up for me. Uh, for me, there are, are there more than two records here. Um, you know, and you easily, I think people listening, uh, if you do this, you could have seen those last four tracks as a, as a seven inch on the side and you would have been very happy with it, you know, an, an accompanying totally. EP. Um, this is something you can't, you, you can either put it on in the background and the music, if you're into hardcore, will move, will move you. That Some of the, the choruses will catch you. Or if you really crack this thing open, uh, this is a, a beautiful hardcore opera. Yeah. So yeah. What, what did you think, Frank? You're... Yeah, so when you first pitched me the album, I was like, okay, let me get out of my comfort zone and, and chomp on some hardcore because I do enjoy heavier music. I, I do. Uh, mm -hmm. But this was way more than just a regular melodic hardcore record and way more than just a regular melodic hardcore band. I mean, the fact that their whole musical career is a story arc is not only impressive, but shows high creativity levels. Uh, even if I were to seek something like that out, I don't, I don't think I could be so consistent enough and dedicated enough uh, to that. I've tried writing a few concept songs here and there before. It's not easy. You not only have to paint the picture of the story to the listener so you could create this imagery in the head, but you also have to move the story along in a way that's digestible, relatable, and in a way that people can comprehend. Uh, musically, I think it's full of intent with music really matching what's going on in the story and their emotions. Uh, one constructive piece is I did feel like some tracks I was paying more attention to the story than the music uh, and, and how the melodies of the tune would resonate with me. I don't think mm -hmm. that's a bad thing at all because I think these songs have uh, multi-purpose and multifunctional with regards to the music and the story content. Um, the acoustic tracks at the end are well-placed and, well and again, creating a different emotion set based on what we heard and already to me just shows uh, high intelligence by, by piecing it out like that. Uh, I like the use of the things that would exist during the World War II time, which shows attention to the details. And even though I mentioned that adding some names would be helpful, that's, that was just an observation. It's not essential. So overall, my man, listen, good pick, very enjoyable. Uh, I, I started delving into uh, the other records as well. So, man, that was that was a good pick. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy to hear you did. Uh, be excited to, to hear on the old text thread Frank and I have going what he thinks of the other records. Totally. Um, you know, so folks at home, uh, if you get a chance, uh, give this a good old listen to. What, uh, what do we got next week, Frankie boy? All right, my man. So next week I am amped because we we're interviewing the band cold years from aberdeen and scotland my friend oh. 
you know, Mark, Facebook is pretty smart in the sense where they will show you bands based on what your musical preferences are. And I stumbled mm-hmm. on them and really dug their rock and roll punky vibe. Uh, they mm-hmm. just released their debut record, Paradise. So we're going to be discussing that with the band along with their influences and much more. Are you into my man? Because I am. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pulling them up right now and, and, and taking a look. I'm excited to, to dive in and, and chat with the guys. Let's see what this record's about, see what they have to say. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get a beverage going with the boys. You know, yeah. Have a beverage. It's going to be a fun time, right, Mark? So the band Cold Years, we're going to be talking about their debut album, Paradise. It's going to be a fun time, man. We're going to be, we're going to be excited about it. Excellent. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for, uh, for checking out check out this record make sure to like us yep. uh add us review us yep. uh 99 stars all those things frank usually says uh we've been check out this record thank you everyone stay safe and ciao oh i thought you were gonna get ciao 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 ciao, ciao. <laughs> <laughs>